You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. We're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am, you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host and today we have Peter Watts joining us in the studio. Peter, welcome back. Thank you very much, Jason. Lovely to be here. It's good to have you here. Now, I know you've been pretty busy lately, but... uh, Share a bit about what you've been up to on the weekend. Well, on the weekend, yes. I mean, I've been busy in as much as I've been uh, watching others work. Oh, that's I good. Think, <laughs> like, it, like usually I'm speaking somewhere on the weekend, but last weekend uh, I had the privilege of uh, going to see and, and listen to uh, Dr. Sue Rad, who was in Hobart, and uh, she was down there at the Hobart uh, function Centre, I think it's called, or, or um, down there at Elizabeth Street Pier, and uh, it was a really very pleasant evening i know you were there i was and, there um yes. she had a great presentation there mm. um about how to boost your immune system and or, um, or how to improve your immune system because yeah. if you over boost it that can be a problem with certain things well there you go so, so you were listening very carefully listening. probably more carefully than it's, me because the immune system is both it needs to be boosted it's at times delicate. and sometimes it needs to be regulated so yeah, right, it's eh? not just about boosting okay all right well um <laughs> <laughs> how to improve your immune system how to improve Sorry. your Sorry to uh, correct you. <laughs> no, no, it's important. Um, but it was very good. And, of course, um, Dr. Sue Rad is a, a nutritionist and she's worked in that field for over 30 years. And uh, some fascinating facts about uh, foods that heal um, and the way in which the body works and the way in which the various uh, elements of the plants uh, uh, and the food that it's available to us, how that works mm. with our gut and interacts with the rest of our body and just fascinating stuff and there were a few things I guess that I picked up from that that I thought right, got to make some changes to my my life and um, you know she was talking about the variety of fruit and vegetables that we consume. So they're basically advocating the advantages of a plant-based diet. You know, not everybody's going to become a vegetarian or a vegan or, um, you know, it, it, that's not the point. The point is to be plant-based. In, yeah. in other words, to to in, include and in, in... Mostly plant. Uh, yeah, mostly, mostly plant. plant. So, mm. so to try and get the, a wider variety of fruit and vegetables into my own diet and onto my own plate, that's one of the goals and one of the thoughts that I took away from there. And another thing was, she says, um, you know, where you can cook, cook more food yourself, mm. you know, cook more food from your own kitchen because then you know what's in it. You know, we, we buy a lot of food that has been highly processed and packaged and so forth. And um, there are reasons for that. But, you know, sometimes there's more sugar added than you want. There might be more salt added than you want. There might be other chemicals that are added because and, of the preservation. And other processing that's and, done. And lots of processing yeah. that mm. maybe takes away mm. some of the natural mm. um you know, value of that food. And so by preparing it yourself in the kitchen, if you can, uh, there's some benefit to that. So oh, now, I've done some of that in the last three months, but I'm going yeah. to be doing more of it. Well, I, uh, I'm i a cook by name. Um, I'm not <laughs> so right. much Jason a cook, cook in the kitchen. Okay. But uh, your wife um, actually shared with me that you are a bit of a master chef in the kitchen. Well, I think that <laughs> she is overblowing my uh, reputation. Apparently there. you like to cook anyway. Well, I, I do, but it's all about time. time I think yeah. what I've probably done in the last three months is I've prioritised a bit more time 
for food preparation and and eating Mm. and so you know i probably make a little bit more time in the middle of the day and and prioritize that but anyway uh yeah it was a very good presentation if you uh ever get the chance to get sue rad's book food as medicine i recommend it Mm. but it was a great weekend Uh, not only did she speak in hobart she was also speaking a couple of times in Glenorchy on Saturday morning as well, which was uh, great. Now, we are going to have Sue Rad on our Connecting the Dots program. That's going to be not this Friday, as I had previously mentioned. It's going to be the following Friday. So that's the 27th of May. We'll have Dr. Sue Rad on our program cool. on Connecting the Dots. That's Friday morning's program. So you can actually hear some of the, the content that she presented in that program on Faith FM. Terrific. Right here. That'll on, be worth listening to. On Friday the 27th. Peter, today we're going to be continuing our short series, three parts of The Reluctant Messenger. Mm. And uh, last week we talked about Jonah on the run. Yes. If you want to catch up on the past episodes, whether it be this program or the previous ones that you're doing the apprenticeship, you can do that on the Faith FM website, faithfm.com.au, or you can download the Faith FM app from your app store, whether that be the Apple App Store or the Google App Store. What have we got today, Peter? All right, so we're going to continue our journey through the short but fascinating Old Testament book of Jonah. And last week we uh, really worked our way through chapter 1. We didn't quite complete it, but we're going to pick it up there. And uh, this week we're going to be looking at chapters 2 and 3. We're going to do a bit of combination and see how much we can cover there uh, before we wrap up the uh, the book next week. And this week we're, we're going to be looking at Jonah and the whale or Jonah and the big fish. And, you know, the, the, certainly the most memorable part of the book, the bit that, you know, people often reference. And so we, we just want to look at that. And that's at the end. It begins at the end of uh, chapter 1. So we're going to look at Jonah chapter 1 verses 15 through 17. And I'll get you to read that and then we'll unpack this a little bit and we've called today's program a second chance Mm. because uh, god gave jonah a second chance yeah let's read this so this is jonah chapter 1 verse 15 to 17 and this is where they were throwing him overboard so he's on this boat this storm if we can set the table from last week god gives a message to jonah to take to nineveh he decides he doesn't want to do that, so he goes in the opposite direction, catches a boat. But there's a big storm. The boat's really in trouble, and uh, he finally tells the mariners, it's because of me, throw me overboard. Mm. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. All right, so this one sentence here in verse 17 about uh, Jonah and the great whale, of course, is be- become the stuff of legend, really. Uh, even though we don't believe the story is legend, we believe that it's true, mm. but it's actually one of the reasons why people think the story is not true. Mm. Um, and so all sorts of uh, suggestions have been made. Some people say, well, this is just an allegorical story. This is, uh, you know, God's trying to make some... Um, theological point through this story of Jonah, it didn't really happen. Mm. Um, but when you look at the comments of Jesus in the New Testament, he certainly regards Jonah as a 
historical character and these historical events. In fact, he even marries the experience of Jonah to his experience and says, as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth and so forth. So mm. um, so certainly Jesus regards it as a historical event. It's written as though it's, it's an historical event. There, and There have been accounts of people surviving being swallowed yes, now from I've, a fish, but I, I know some of them are a little bit suspicious in terms of whether or yeah. not they're, led, you know, like myths or legends. Yeah. Yeah, so there was. A, I, I've I've been down to. Um, I've been to Eden. Have you ever been to Eden? No. It's on the north. It's on the south New South Wales coast. Right. Uh, there is a place uh, called Eden, and you go there. And there's actually a, a whale, a whaling museum there. Mm-hmm. And I've been in there, and they have a little story. One of the stories they have is a, about a, a harpooner uh, called James Bartley from 1891. Now. Uh, many people also say this is a very questionable story. Did this really happen? The mm. idea of this man fell overboard, was swallowed by a sperm whale, and he was in the sperm whale for 15 hours or something like that. I, I can't remember all the details. And I think, and, you know, there have been other stories that people have suggested and, and what have you. And I think that sometimes um, in our desire... To believe the story, we go looking around for evidence, mm. you know, is this possible mm. and so forth. My, my question is, does it have to be humanly possible or, you know, in our scientific way? Because it says in here that God created. We haven't actually got to this yet, have we? It says, yeah, God prepared, verse God 17. Prepared. Yeah, yeah chapter 1, verse 17 of so Jonah says, if, the if, Lord had prepared a great fish. So if God had done this... Why does it have to be within the constraints of our normal experience? Um, That's absolutely experience? the right point, because mm. exactly. It's it's a little bit like, um, you know, we read the story of Noah's Ark mm. in uh, Book of Genesis, and, you know, there are many people who have said, we found Noah's Ark, and here's the evidence, here's a piece of wood from Noah's Ark, and we've been up there and so forth. You know, I would love to find evidence of Noah's Ark, and maybe somebody has, but I I haven't seen conclusive proof of them finding Noah's Ark. But that that neither proves nor negates the story of Noah's Ark. Mm. Uh, and somehow I think that sometimes we feel like we've got to produce solid evidence for these things, when the reality is so much of uh, what what God does in the Bible is miraculous. And uh, this is one of those cases because it says the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. Mm. So that means, and it's interesting because this word the Lord had prepared, this little phrase, you're going to find that a little bit later, especially in chapter 4, because God prepares a good, he prepares a worm, he prepares an east wind and so forth. So there are many other elements. In fact, by the way, there are nine miracles in the book of Jonah. And we won't reel them off now. We'll save that till next week. Mm-hmm. But um, that's the point. The, the, the God's involved here. This mm. isn't a story without God in it. Mm. This is a story where God is a feature of the story. He's a main character in the story. And uh, if God exists, then miracles exist. And uh, if God can create the earth and the universe, then why can't he make a fish come? Exactly right. <laughs> so this is not, it does not say that Jonah fell overboard and then by chance a big sperm whale or a blue whale was Just happened to be there swimming yeah. by and decided to gobble up Jonah and somehow he was preserved in this pocket of, pocket of oxygen or whatever. Mm. 
we don't have to uh, make that case mm. because it says now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. Mm. And so whatever that fish looked like, it may have looked like no fish that we've ever seen before. Mm. Right or since, mm. Mm. Uh, or it could have been an existing kind of fish that he used. We just don't know. We don't know. Nobody's mm. caught the fish. Nobody's uh, dissected it. Yeah. Um, it's a statement that is made. And if you don't believe in miracles, then you're going to struggle with the Book of Jonah and probably many other things in the Bible. Right? But if you believe that it's possible that the supernatural exists and that miracles are possible. Uh, then this this is a record a record of what took place, mm. and so I think that's that's an important thing to to mention. We don't have to have modern day stories of people being swallowed by fish mm. in order for this to be true. Now we've got a question for you: Have you ever been given a second chance or offered someone else a second chance? So have you ever been given a second chance or offered someone else a second chance? We'd love to hear from you this morning. Text us in. How did it feel when you gave someone a second chance or perhaps you were given a second chance? Text us in on 0488 880 This is Rebel Heart by Lauren Daigle. Rebel hearts surrender all I give 
Listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and today we're talking with Peter Watts on the topic of a second chance. We're studying the book of Jonah. Now, I chose that song Rebel Heart because I feel that Jonah was a bit of a rebel. <laughs> he was rebelling <laughs> he started, against yeah. God. God had asked him to do something. Yeah. He didn't want to do it. And we think about, like, the, thinking about the fact that he was a prophet of God. So, uh, um, uh, we mentioned last week that there's a reference to Jonah in Second Kings as well of him being a prophet of God. Mm. So, um, this is a prophet of God and he's running away from his responsibilities. Exactly. He, you know, so it's a, a fascinating story. Now, I was thinking, we mentioned last week that the book of Jonah is fascinating because as of, of all the minor prophets, this one is more about the relationship between the prophet and the Lord as much as it is about anything else in the story. So the rest of the story provides kind of a backdrop mm. to this relationship between God and prophet and how God is working with Jonah to save Jonah as much as he is working with the other people in the story. And, of course, we, we're about to go on to where Jonah realizes his fate in the belly of this fish mm. um, and uh, basically I guess he's pleading to God for a second chance and uh, we asked you a question about that have you be- ever been given a second chance or offered someone a second chance how did it feel we'd love to hear your answer text us in on zero four eight 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 zero eight nine one. all right so we need to read this uh, this plea yeah, of we Jonas, do. I guess, don't we? So in terms of this week's program being called Second Chance, so there's two two areas of, of this we're going to look at now as we work through the material in chapters 2 and 3 of Jonah. And number one is, is the second chance for Jonah. Mm. God gives Jonah a, a second opportunity to, to do his will, and we'll pick that up at the beginning of chapter 3. And then, of course, there's a second chance for the people of Nineveh. Nineveh yeah. But let's look at uh, Jonah chapter 2, and maybe we'll, um, we'll just read uh, verses 1 to 3, perhaps. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Mm. Okay, so he's, he's you know, we, we might pray to God from unusual places sometimes. And mm. I think what this tells me is there's probably no, there's nowhere you, can, you can't pray to God. And he's mm. in the, the belly of this great fish. I would imagine when he, he said, throw me overboard to the mariners uh, and they threw him into the sea he he believed okay this is the end for me mm. and he's going down down through the water you know through the water he's running out of air and then he sees this big fish or experiences this big fish that swallows him and then you're definitely thinking well that's it that's got to be curtains mm. you know i thought i was in trouble before and now i'm in the belly of the fish and then you realize Seconds are going by. Minutes are going well, by. I'm, I'm still alive. Yet. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> I'm still alive. So, you know, and I think that in that circumstance, 
It probably wasn't you, a pleasant experience. Though. I wouldn't have thought so. No. I wouldn't have thought so. And he's praying to God. And uh, he cries out to the Lord, it says, because of his affliction. Out of the belly of the of Sheol. He says, out of the belly of Sheol. Now, Sheol yeah. is a word we use in the Old Testament for the place of the dead, the, the place yeah. of uh, the, the grave, really, the grave, is, is yeah. most often. So that's what he's saying. He says, I'm good as dead down here. Mm. Uh, and I'm praying to God. And it says... And you heard my voice. Mm. I think that's just a beautiful little sentence. Um, he cries to God out of the place of darkness, the deep, uh, place of death. He's not expecting to survive, but he's praying to God. But he's saying, you heard my voice. Mm. And that's such a beautiful thing. And we've talked about prayer before on uh, another series of, of programs where this is an amazing um, method of communication that God has gifted to us that is not reliant upon signal strength. It's not reliant upon towers on mountains. <laughs> uh, we can pray to God whether we're in the depths of the ocean or on the International Space Station. Mm. You know, it does not matter where we are. We can pray or, to God. Or on a mountaintop in Tasmania that has no signal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. So... Uh, you know, that's the wonderful thing that, that we pray and God hears our voice. And so wherever we are in life, and maybe we'll insert this at this point, wherever we may be in life, cry out to God, talk mm. to God, whatever mm. your circumstances. I doubt that your circumstances are like Jonah's. I don't think that you would be in the belly of a whale. And if you're listening mm. to this, you probably wouldn't be unless you've got a radio in there somehow. But, um, but you may be facing, you know, in, in his case, I guess he was facing near certain death. death. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Some people are suffering um, from yeah. uh, disease or uh, sickness that um, might take their life. Yeah. yeah. Or, or they're praying for somebody else mm. in that circumstance. Whatever your circumstance is, mm. it's not going to be hindered by prayer. Mm. You know, call out to God. God will be able to speak into your situation what you will need for that moment. Mm. Um, and he says, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me, all your billows, your waves passed over me. What a question. Mm. Um, uh, that I was listening to somebody else speak on this, and uh, they mentioned the fact that if a prophet failed to deliver the word of God, mm. it was basically a death sentence for them. Is that is that something you're aware of? Well, I don't know about that. I, I think um, that... You know, generally speaking, when God speaks to somebody and says, deliver this message, they you read in the Bible, that's what they go and do. This is one of the occasionally reasons. Occasionally they, they uh, resisted. Yes, or occasionally, occasionally they do something else. <laughs> they do something else. Um, this is one of those, this is one, one of the reasons why the story of Joe is so fascinating, because mm. it is a story of a prophet who has been a prophet before. Mm. Uh, who decided not to deliver mm. that message. And, of course, you know, he was at the point of rather, he would rather die, uh, perhaps, than, um, than go and than do deliver what, the message, mm, yeah. Mm. And I think that becomes apparent later in the story. It's not just about the fact that he's fearful of the Ninevites, mm. which he had good reason to be, but also that he was fearful that they might get saved, which <laughs> he didn't want to happen. Mm. So let's read from verse 4, maybe through 10. Well, let's go to 4 through um, 9. Okay. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. 
The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. That's uh, interesting, isn't that detail? You know, because you can imagine sinking down in the ocean, having the seaweed and everything. Uh, I find that little description quite, you know, to me that says this is a real story. Mm. You know, this is not made up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, uh, that's real. Um, I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you, into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Thank you, Jason. Now, obviously, he is writing this down after the fact. He's not scribbling it down while he's in the belly of the whale, but he's remembering what he prayed in that the belly of the whale, and he's, he's recording, this is what happened. And uh, there's a couple of things in here. It's a beautiful prayer, actually. He sort of samples little bits of the Psalms uh, in this prayer. And uh, he describes God as being in your holy temple. That's where he's praying to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting, in verse uh, six, two six, it says, I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth with its bars closed behind me, Forever. This is one of those verses in Scripture where the word is forever is used, mm. but the very next line tells you it actually isn't forever as we understand forever. Yeah, because yet you have brought up my life from the pit. <laughs> there you go. So, so here on the one hand, it, it would have seemed when the bars closed to him that this experience is going to be forever, mm. but it was actually only as long as it lasted. Mm. And that's an important element when we come to other passages in Scripture where it talks about um, the... Uh, the the uh, consequences of hellfire, for instance, which mm. we won't talk about now, but we've spoken about in the previous mm. radio show, um, that when the Bible talks about um, burning hellfire being forever, it's the consequences, it's the results of that that are forever rather than the burning itself. But that's another interesting element from this story. Just before we go to the break, uh, there's a, a little bit here that talks about mercy. And it's interesting how Jonah, in essence, was claiming the mercy of God in this situation. Um, and yet uh, later we find out that he doesn't really want mercy for the people of Nineveh, but he, he wanted it for himself. That's a very good thing, yeah. a good point to make and, and something for us to think about. Mm. Uh, as we receive mercy from God mm. and become uh, accept his plan of salvation, mm. do we extend that grace to others? Well, here is a song called Mercy Said No. This is uh, the Ball Brothers, and it's all about mercy. So have a listen. It's a great song. We'll talk to you soon. Just a child when I felt the Savior leading. I was drawn to what I could not understand. And for the cause of Christ, I have spent my days believing. What He'd have me be is who I am. As I've come to see the weaker side of me I realized His grace is what I need When sin demanded justice for my soul 
made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith of M. And today we're talking about the story of Jonah, the reluctant messenger. And uh, we've been talking about, I guess, the second chance that God gave Jonah. And we're going to talk about another second chance shortly. But I just want to remind you, we've got a free book offer today. And the title of the book is actually called A Second Chance. So we will give you more information about that. But write the number down, 0488 880 891. 
You can text in a code to that number later in the program and you can claim a copy of this free book offer, Second Chance. Now, Peter, we were talking earlier about how Jonah claimed that God heard his prayer and, of course, we know, if we know the story, that he did deliver him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, I'll get you, Jason, just to read uh, Jonah chapter 2, verse 10, the last verse there in chapter 2, and then we can start picking up uh, chapter 3. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. I'm just going to pause there. I don't know how pleasant that experience was, but I suppose it's better than death. And if you if you picture this, either the fish had to get up onto the dry land or he had to vomit him a long way. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> you could imagine him sort of launching <laughs> yeah. out of the surf and then sort of landing maybe in the shallows and yeah. landing on the beach. Somehow Jonah ended up uh, on the beach anyway. Mm. One I wonder whereabouts that was. Obviously he had gotten a boat from Joppa mm. uh, at the port there and uh, somehow he ends up back on that uh, shore and um, then we find uh, we're going to pick up the story now I'm going to get you to read Jonah chapter 3 verses 1 to 5 and then we'll we'll pull that apart a little bit now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying arise go to Nineveh that great city and preach to it the message that I tell you so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city a three-day journey in extent And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. All right. Yep, that's the first four verses. Thank you, Jason. So, uh, yeah, he gets, the Lord gives him that second chance. This is really his second chance, not only his second chance at life, but his second chance to deliver the message that God wants to deliver. It's interesting to note that this time he listened to God. Yeah, yeah. He well, didn't, didn't run absolutely. away this time. He got his attention, didn't he? He did. And it's it's kind of interesting that, you know, how many of us as human beings are running from God and have to have a life-threatening experience before we'll listen to God. Mm. You know, that, that's, I've heard that story many times. Many nothing, times. nothing to do with Jonah mm. and the whale, but I've heard that story many times where people have, uh, you know, in their testimony, they're saying, I was on the run from God, didn't want anything to do with God. I said, God, leave me alone, get out of my life. Uh, and then I had this uh, life-changing uh, experience. Um, I was uh, rooming with a guy a couple of weeks ago when I was up in Sydney, and um, we shared a room, and he, he was uh, he's in ministry. And he was saying um, how that was his experience. He was saying to God, I don't want you in my life. Leave me alone. Mm. And he had a, a car uh, accident that was uh, very serious. But for him, he walked away unscathed. And that was a miracle. And uh, he, he said, from now on, I'll give you my life, Lord. <laughs> that, that was his wake-up call. That, that was his wake-up call. Mm. And it's, you know, it's not that God sends the car crash, you understand. Mm. Uh, but God allows us to, uh, once, once we say, Lord, I don't want you in my life. I want to get out from under your umbrella. Mm. Uh, we put ourselves in a dangerous place. And um, sometimes calamities occur. And uh, by by those calamities, sometimes we, we get it woken up. In this story, it actually says that God sent that storm. So yes. do, do you think God sent that storm? <laughs> well, what's interesting to me is 
God knows what he's doing in all of these circumstances. I think I believe he did send that storm. Mm. But will you note that none of the mariners died. That's right. And neither did Jonah. Mm. And so God is in the business of saving, not destroying. Not, not destroying, yeah. And so, uh, you know, now we won't get into that yeah, but yeah. because there are times when, you know, probation closes and justice falls, but God's always in a redemptive mood. God mm. wants to save, and that's his purpose for Nineveh. Yeah. So he goes to Nineveh. He, he, he Arise, go to Nineveh. This was the message in Jonah 3.2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Mm. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, a three-day yeah, journey. Apparently it's a very advanced, uh, technologically advanced city. Yeah, well, we... And we, quite populated. By the time you get to the end of the book of Jonah, we realise there's 120,000 people there, um, which was a significant city, you know, back in those days. And uh, it was 12 kilometres around the walls of the city. So if you started in one spot, you could go around the walls, and it was a 12-kilometre walk. So that's a significant walk. When it says there... Um, it says a three-day journey in extent. I think the clue to that, what does that mean? I, I think in verse 4, it says Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Mm. I think what, you know, if you're going around the outskirts, well, it doesn't take you three days to cover 12 kilometres. But I think if you're going up and down the streets of that city, then mm. that probably takes you three days, mm. you know, um, because the, there was a lot to it. So he is... Uh, you know, delivering the messages. He's not delivering them on paper. He's not texting. He's not got a megaphone. He's not doing a radio radio broadcast like we are today. He's calling aloud. Mm. You know, that's the way he's delivering that message. And uh, you you could almost you, you imagine the earnestness with which he'd be delivering that message too. That uh, obviously it would have an effect. And notice what his message is, incidentally. Yet 40 days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. All right. Now, there's a couple of things in that. Now, I just want to pause here. As Jonah is walking up and down the long streets of Nineveh, and we've said before, by the way, that uh, the modern city of Mosul is uh, actually built. Part of it is built right over where the city of Nineveh is. Mm. Mm. Um, And so he's walking up and down the streets of that city, crying out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be be overthrown. I've got to put that in there because I have a temptation to say something that's not there. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But it's interesting. I went to uh, the Berlin Museum, um, the Pergamon Museum in Berlin, in Germany. And they've got a lot of uh, artifacts there from the ancient world. From um, They did a lot of uh, excavating in what we would call Iraq today, uh, from Babylonia and um, Assyria. And they've got some uh, artifacts there uh, where they've got images of uh, the god Ones, which is very similar to the god Dagon. People may have heard of the mm. god Dagon from the Philistines. In fact, there's a story in First Samuel about um, them stealing the Ark of the Covenant, putting it in the temple of Dagon, and the image of Dagon, the statue of Dagon, fell down before the Ark of the Covenant back in uh, the day of Samuel. But this uh, god Dagon, or this god Ones, uh, was a fish man god. In other words, it was uh, it had sort of the body of a fish and the head of a man, and then the the the, the hat on top of the the man was like the the, the shape of a fish's head. And so, uh, 
the, the interesting point of that is, of course, if you've got a man whom people are saying, you know, this guy was in the middle of, you know, in the belly of a fish mm. and he got thrown out on dry land and mm. now he's coming and prophesying mm. uh, about the end of the world, effectively, for the Ninevites. I suspect he may have shared that story with them. I have no <laughs> doubt. And, and some of you mentioned in the break, I think, while we were off air, about the fact that, you know, maybe his skin had been bleached maybe his appearance had been changed by being in that uh, mm. fish for a few days mm. um, but either way I believe that story of him being in the belly of the fish would have gotten out mm. and I believe God used that and their cultural belief to help get their attention mm. uh, I, I'm confident that that would have been the case I just think it fi- I find that fascinating and of course the uh, the message that he has here yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be Overthrown, it says. Mm. Uh, some translations, I think, say overturned. Um, and I used to think, um, well, I, it means destroyed, right? That, that's what, um, yet 40 days and then it will be destroyed. It was a strong message, you know, and it got their attention. Um, but the reality is that the word actually means overthrown or overturned or turned upside down, which is an interesting phrase that's used in the New Testament about the gospel. And uh, it really means to, another word is converted. Mm. Um, And yes, uh, that whole city was going to be turned upside down, but God's full intention was that they should be converted. Mm. And we'll pick that up as we look at our next session. Our book offer today, Second Chance, From a Life of Drugs, Crime and Misery to Worldwide Ministry by Jim Ayer. To know Jim is to meet Jesus because his passion for Christ is so apparent. Something spectacular has happened in his life. It shows. I know you'll want to spend time with this book because Jim's experience with God is so genuine and you will find hope that God can do something spectacular with your life as well. As you join him, you'll discover new and deeply refreshing insights into the heart and mind of God. You'll discover a God of love, a God of forgiveness, and a God who can grant you the power to overcome the burdens that weigh you down. This easy-to-read book may be one of the best investments you have ever made in your future. Of course, we're giving away two copies of this for free today, so don't miss out on the code that will be coming straight after this break. This is Laura Story with Grace. My heart is so proud. My mind is so unfocused. I see the things you do through me. It's great things I have done. And now you gently break me. Each time I 
I walk with you, I'm learning what your grace really means. The price that I could never pay was paid at Calvary. So instead of trying to To Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM. And we're finishing up our topic on Jonah chapter 2 and 3. This is the reluctant messenger. Before the break, I promised the code. We've got two copies of this book to give away. It's called Second Chance. Just two copies. So the first two in with this code. And the code is Jonah and the number 2. No spaces. Text Jonah, J O N A H, number 2 to 0488 880. Now, Peter, obviously we need to find out what happened to the Ninevites. Yeah, indeed. Well, so we've talked about the fact that in uh, Jonah chapter 3, verse 4, Jonah gives this message, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And sometimes we need that strong message. We might say, well, we could say, God loves you. Please come to God. Uh, Jesus loves you. Um, but sometimes that message does not get our attention, especially if we've hardened our hearts towards God and we're thoroughly selfish in our, you know, direction in life. Sometimes it needs a stronger message to get our attention. And the reality of the gospel is, yes, God is love. Yes, God has salvation. He has eternal life. But without God, we perish. Mm. We know that because thousands of people die every single day. We're all getting a day older every day. And we know we will not live forever without God. So uh, there's a serious aspect to this message, and that is that without God, we perish. Mm. And so uh, Jonah delivers that message. And from verse, let's read verse, um, we'll read this one at a time. I'd like you to read verse 5, Jonah 3, 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth, from the greatest to the least of them. All right. So the, here's something. The people of Nineveh believed God. Now, that's an interesting point. So Jonah is doing what he's been told to do. He's delivering that message. And the people, it doesn't say the people believed Jonah. No. It says the people believed God. God. Because God had sent Jonah, maybe the you know the idea of the the fish god and thing got an influence, got their attention. The message was stark. It was basically the world's going to end as far as Nineveh was concerned, unless things change. And they believed God, it says, and they proclaimed a fast. So they didn't just believe God; they believed God and they did something. In other words, there was a reformation. Mm. in their lives mm. something changed there was a reforming of their lives because of the message that they heard and believed 
So, you know, if they proclaimed a fast, they put on sackcloth. This was an evidence of their humility, right? That they were recognizing we're sinners. We're not going to be parading. We're not proud of being sinners. We're going to be humbled by this experience. We're going to humble ourselves before God. And it says uh, they proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of the least of them. And then that's emphasized by verse 6. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. So here's the king now. Mm. He's hearing what's happened. He's making the same choice. And once the king does something, then others are influenced by that too. So even if the people are already humbling themselves, when they see the king put off his royal robe um, and saying, you know what? I'm not the king of my life. God is the king of my life. Mm. And uh, he is... um, That's a substantial thing. Yeah. It says he arose from his throne. He got off the throne. Mm. He put off his royal robe. And he is now recognizing that God is king, Mm. not him. Um, And he covered himself with sackcloth and ashes. Another another symbol of mourning. Let's read verse 7. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. In verse 8. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. And let's do verse 9. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? So here, this is fascinating because the king's issuing a decree and he's proclaiming a fast. And do you know what? It doesn't say anything about the time frame here. The only time frame we're given is when Jonah says yet 40 40 days. days, Yeah. And so maybe they're fast. They're planning to fast for 40 days. It's a long fast. It is a long fast. Jesus fasted for 40 days in the New Testament, uh, which is interesting. But here he's proclaiming this fast and he's saying, who can tell? Maybe God will turn Mm. and relent from the disaster. What does it say? From uh, away from his fierce anger that we may not perish. Maybe Mm. God. It's as though this pagan king knows something about the God of heaven that God's intention is not to destroy but to save. Mm. And uh, that's in, uh, indeed what his intention is. I'm going to just read verse 10 and then we'll wrap this up. It says, Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. And that, to me, sums up the whole point of the message of the book of Jonah, that God is not wanting to destroy our lives, but he wants to preserve our lives. He doesn't want us to die. He doesn't want us to perish, but he wants us to be saved. And uh, God's plan for Nineveh worked. And we're going to see more of the results of that in next week's program when we come back and review chapter 4, which is the conclusion of the book. But there's some fascinating material in there, not only about Nineveh, but also about the relationship between God and Jonah the prophet. I've I've heard it said that this book of Jonah is not so much about the prophecy itself, but about the prophet. Yeah. And so I think we learn a lot about the prophet in this next chapter, don't we? Yeah, and it tells us a little bit about our own relationship with Mm. God. We've titled next week's program, Winners and Wingers. Yeah. Tune in for that next Tuesday where we'll be talking There's on the... There's a twist in that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. There's a twist there. We'll be talking on Jonah chapter 4. 
Of course, tomorrow we've got uh, Tabitha and Daniel, and uh, this is fascinating. The Bible is financial planner. I love the programs that Daniel's been doing, uh, talking about all the different um, purposes of the Bible and, and Scripture. And mm. in this case, he's uh, looking through the Bible to gain some insight into how we can use it to help us uh, better manage our finances. Sounds helpful. Yeah, so tune in tomorrow with Daniel and Tabitha. Um, of course, we've got our free book offer. We've had one go already, but if you would like to still text in Jonah number two to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, there's one book left for this book titled Second Chance. I think that's all we've got time for today. We just hope that wherever you are and whatever you're doing, that God is with you today. May you be blessed by the discussion that we've had about Jonah and that you've taken something away from that that you can apply to your life today. God be with you today. This is To the Only God, David Crowder and Shane and Shane. made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.